good Sunday evening. You are listening to Rises here on KZSM.org, True Community Radio in San Marcos, Texas. And your host, Kathy Laura. Kathy, good evening. Who do we have with us on the show tonight? Well, this evening we are going to be discussing the historic uh, San Pedro Cemetery located at the corner of Old Bastrop Highway and Posey Road. And tonight uh, we have as our guest Dr. Ana Juarez, Sandra Rivera, and Guadalupe Flores. And we're going to start with Dr. Ana Juarez, who has been a guest on our show before, and we're going to ask her to give us a little recap about um, where she's from and how she ended up here in San Marcos. Austin lived all over the place. It's a long story, (laughs) but eventually ended up uh, getting a Ph.D. in cultural anthropology and got my one and only teaching job here at Texas State. Uh, That was in 1996, and when I uh, I got tenure, uh, I started thinking about, I I had been wanting to start a local project, and it just happened that there was an incidence of vandalism uh, in town where two Mexican-American cemeteries, historic Mexican-American cemeteries on opposite sides of town. Uh, One is over by Five Mile Dam. The other one is the one we're going to talk about today, which is behind the outlet malls at Posey Road and... uh, Old Bastrop Highway. Yes, Old Bastrop Highway. (laughs) Thank you. And so the community... There was this instance of vandalism. I think like about 200 graves were actually vandalized. Between the two cemeteries? Between the two cemeteries. Um, major, major incidents, and the whole community was talking about it. There was a lot of debate about who did it and why. And I heard about it from a colleague who works with Boy Scouts, and they were going to um, volunteer to help clean up and do things. And so I was like, I'll, I'll help out as well. And once I started doing that, like within, you know, probably hours, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like this amazing site to learn about our community, to do some ethno history, to to learn about Mexican-American culture. And this is potentially a site where I could bring my students and we could start doing some research. So I, you know, I did that uh, from 2004 till 20, probably 2012 was the last time that I did it sort of seriously. I've served on the board, uh, Cemetery um, Association uh, board since that time as well. And so I have continued in uh, that role as well. So, and I'm here to kind of represent the board uh, today. Well, and and I, I think just to talk about the power of social media, I made the post uh, about today's show, and I don't know where I get this post from a gentleman by the name of Gerard Roberts. And he said that he worked on the project and he helped fix the uh, cross with the ceramic tile. And so I was a little curious and I said, you know, well, how did you get involved? And he said, Dr. Anahuatis. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. Wait, I'm blanking on the name. Was he the actual mason? 
Does uh, he live in Wimperley? I, he, I, or was he with THC? No, he said he did the project with you. So I'm going okay. to assume he must have been maybe one of your students or it related I, in some, some area to you. Yeah, yeah. He may have been the one who actually did this amazing job. We can talk about <laughs> the about the preservation of that cross, which is just amazing. Yeah, he did a fabulous job if that's... If that's who, what his name is, I'm horrible with names. And so now we have the, the our other two guests, and we have Sandra Rivera. So we'll go ahead and let Sandra tell us a little bit about herself, um, you know, how long she's lived here. Uh, she can tell us a little bit about her, her, her ancestors, where she grew up in San Marcos. Uh, yes, I was born and raised in San Marcos. Um, at the time, I believe we lived not far from here, Manti Street. Mm -hmm. I don't remember it very well because I was like two or three and we moved to Eulen Road. That's where I grew up, was on Eulen Road. And um, there was, we were a big family. There's eight of us. Uh, my dad used to work on the radio station right down the street at KCNY. That was also on Eulen Road. Um, but yeah, we my family has been here for, gosh, on my, mom, on my dad's side of the family, I think my grandfather moved to the area in the 40s. And on my mom's side of the family was earlier. I don't know the date because my grandfather used to play on the baseball team here in San Marcos, mm. the Greyhounds. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So then, and then um, your grandfather, your father's father, Don Ramon? Yes, Don Ramon okay. was part of the original committee of San Pedro. I think he started off as the... I'm not sure if it was the secretary or the treasurer, mm -hmm. and then he was he continued to be on the board. And then the next time he was, he had both roles. One time he was a secretary, another time he was a treasurer. And I actually knew your grandfather, and I remember when they used to live in the little white house that was right next door yep. to what we now know as the electric company. But it used to be LCRA at one time, and yeah. they lived in that little white house. And then they sold it to the Brad's Oil. Yes, Brad's Oil mm -hmm. is now there. Yeah. So you can see. I think they. I don't know if they still have it, but they used to have a picture of the house that was there before. But yeah, that was where he lived. And, and I tell people all the time, there used to be a little house there, and they're, they're like, they can't see it. Yeah. You know, they just know that Brad's oil was yeah. there. It's so different. I mean, San Marcos has changed so, so much. much. I mean, I remember when we were little on Eulen Road, it was all just a few houses and the mobile home. There was no apartments. There was no stores. There was nothing. So we used to always go from to our different neighbors and go play at their house or they would come to our house or we'd all get, our, get on our bikes and go off to Travis to go play. So yeah, we've been here. My family's been around for a long, long time, time here in San Marcos. Well, we want to welcome you to the Thank show. You. And then our next guest is Guadalupe <laughs> Flores. And we'll, have, we'll let her tell us a little bit about her family. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm just overjoyed because Lupe and I were related, so. Oh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, my father's name was Benito Flores, and he married my mother, which was Carmen Ortiz. And she was related to your family on, you know, mm -hmm. on your uh, mother's side. Mm -hmm. So we've been around a long time. We've been here most of the time, and it's always been around this area, too. Uh, we, we lived in Comanche Street. We lived oh. on, on uh, Gravel Street. We lived everywhere. <laughs> we moved from one place to... But uh, we've been around here for a long time, and my family has been here and then of course my grand my grandfather on my father's side he lives on um that street right in across from where that spanish uh restaurant is i don't remember the name of it uh, Casa Maria? uh on which street? 
uh, right on um on MLK. Uh huh. MLK. Oh, yeah, L and M. Lorenzo yeah. Yeah, so we we lived around that area for a while and we just like finally when we we, we moved over to uh post office alley because the the uh, the telephone company gave us uh they rented us that house and we lived there for a while and then from there that's when my father bought the property on on Center Street, and we've been there. Ever, well, my sister's been there ever since, and so, but we've been here for a long time. So, Post Office Alley is not Post Office Alley anymore. Is that correct? No. Uh-uh. Okay. It, but because it ran behind the post office, uh-huh. they called it Post Office Alley. I see. Mm-hmm. So, what is it called now? I don't know, but it, <laughs> it's, it's a street that runs right behind here. Okay. Uh huh. So. That was Post Office Alley. Yeah. yeah. You learn something new I, every day. The the streets I, are all changed. I'm going to have to go find that one out now. <laughs> 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 so yeah. you were born and raised here, and you you were no, also I wasn't raised? I wasn't born oh, here. Born I was born in Colorado. Oh, in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yes, and then I, uh, actually, my my parents were migrant workers. They would go out and work anywhere they could go. And so when they went to um, Colorado, that's where I was born. And then, as soon as I was born, they drove back to to Texas, and that's that's how I ended up here. We all ended up here in Texas. So, but it's it's been a a long run from okay. there. And so tell me a little bit how all of you are, well, our, our topic for tonight is San Pedro Cemetery. So tell me a little bit how all of y'all are involved in, in the cemetery currently. I got involved, well, I guess I got involved, I think, more after that accident happened when that when truck, truck hit the, well, hit the ran fence. into the cemetery. <laughs> and I cannot remember how I met Simon, which there's... We're, a, I guess, a little volunteer committee. It's me, my brother, Martin Rivera, and Simon Mercado. We met Simon. I can't remember if I ran across him on Facebook or if we met at the cemetery after that because I was going back through the, through the uh, Facebook pages, and I saw where I was making posts about that me and Simon were going to be out there cleaning up the rest of the debris. I think that's where, we, where I met him. But, I mean, we've always gone out there because I have a lot of family buried out there. I have three brothers that are buried out there. My grandfather, the, the baseball player, uh, his mother. My grandmother. Yeah. And great-grandmother. So, yeah, my dad, when he passed away, <clears throat> we buried him out there with uh, his grandmother because uh, she's the one that raised him. So I have a lot of family. And I think I got more involved, or the reason I do it is my mom, I... I she always wished that she could do more because she's buried at Memory Lawn, and she always used to say, I wish I could move my babies with me, and of course she couldn't do that. You know, they were poor, and that's where they're at. So I think I'm in it more now for her to to do. Well, I think it's kind of emotional, right, because you know that your brothers are over here. Your mother would have wanted to keep them over there, but kind of like a, a filial responsibility as a daughter mm-hmm. to make sure that their place is kept, um, the responsibility that mm-hmm. we have to take care of our, our people <coughs> that have transitioned off into yes. the next place. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I do. I'm trying to do it for her, what she couldn't do, what she wanted to do. I said, well, I said, I know it's not a whole lot, but we're trying to do what we can out there and try to help other people that – Maybe they're trying to locate a loved one or they just need help, you know. So we're trying to do what we can. And I've taken my granddaughter out there and I've showed her, this is your great-great-grandfather. He's buried right here. And I show him where, show her where my brothers are buried. And I tell her, I go, I want you to know that way when I'm gone, 
you can come and take bring them flowers. And she goes, okay. So she's going out there and she's helped me because I want her to, to know about the cemetery. Her, her family's there. She's got a lot of family there. My, gra- my great-grandfather on my dad's side, he's buried out there. Uh, his name was, we always called him uh, Grandpa Pepe. <laughs> and uh, he came to the U.S. in 1919, and he moved to, the, to this area in the 40s. And even though he was here all this time, he didn't become a U.S. citizen until 1970, and then he passed away in 1972. And this is on your mother? On my dad's side. On your dad's on side. On my dad's side, so yeah. So Rivera as well. Yes, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think kind of these stories always uh, find them fascinating because this is how we make these connections. So mm-hmm. now here we have you guys that have lived here and now have a vested interest in the cemetery. But then there's Dr. Watt is here who is not from here but mm-hmm. also has a vested interest <clears throat> because I think the understanding is we have to collectively take care of these things mm-hmm. uh, to leave for the next generation. And so I, I, so tell me what, what fascinated you about this the whole cemetery project. So, well, honestly, I'm inspired. By, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm inspired by people like Sandra um, who uh, and the kind of passion and commitment that they have to the cemetery and um, I'm inspired so of course as a cultural anthropology you know that's my passion uh, has been it's one of my passions <laughs> I have too many passions uh, but definitely been one of my passions in terms of you know understanding um, how people make meaning out of the world right is basically what culture is about how do you make meaning out of the world and these kinds of things what Sandra just spoke about of you know how important it is uh, you know for her to and, and how emotional it is to to know that because of circumstances because of the world that we live in her mother can't be can can't lay to rest with her her brothers you know and so for me that is has been a huge part of it and i immediately picked up and i i spent so many years at the cemetery as actually with my daughter as well <laughs> uh, and every time i was out there or my students were out there it was inevitable that someone would be there. If I spent more than an hour out there, someone is likely to show up to bring flowers, to say a prayer, to you know clean up a grave or something like that. And so for me, that's just remarkable that the cemetery is, that that's so much of a part of it, and that that's what the cemetery was started as. Right, it was started as a mutualista. Right, it's a mutual aid organization, and I don't know if you want me if I should talk about that. Yeah, now we're we're gonna go ahead and go into a station break, okay. and then we we we'll come, come back, back and, and talk. Yeah. Okay. And you're listening to Riasis here on KZSM.org, KZSM, LPFM, uh, San Marcos, Texas. And the views expressed on the show are those of the hosts and the guests, and not necessarily those of KZSM or SMTX CRA, the governing board. We're gonna be right back with you. 29th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Join us for the 21st annual Pet Fest at the San Marcos Plaza Park on Hopkins Street and C.M. Allen Parkway. 
This is a free family event presented by your friends at Preventa Litter or Pals and includes a blessing of the pets, dog races, pet costume contests, live music, silent auctions, pet adoptions, rescues, food and other vendors, a bounce castle, and much more. For more information, go to preventalitter.com backslash petfest or see the Preventalitter Facebook page. San Marcos, Texas. Get ready for the second annual Rocktober Kissing Alley. October 19th at 7 p.m. on the Historic Square. Sponsored by the San Marcos Local Arts Commission. KZSM and Metal Mark. Come check out three awesome bands. We have War on Sunday, Misguided Influences, and Ledesma Lethal Legends. Come on down to the historical kissing alley and see a great show. Free, say hi to all our characters at the radio station. This is family and animal friendly, so come on down to the San Marcos Kissing Alley. Únete conmigo mientras comparto música de mi juventud, música contemporánea y música que puede traerle cálidos recuerdos de sus pasados. Es Música con ganas con el tío, cada domingo a las 9 de la noche aquí en su verdadero radio comunidad KZSM. So we're going to go into a little bit of the history of the cemetery, and so we'll go ahead and start with the Motelista part of it, and then okay. backtrack if we have to. Yes, yes. so uh, back in 1909, there was a, a, a group of, um, from the community that ga- came together. There's a reference in the 1909 deed to the str- uh, a Stringtown Cemetery Association, um, and I've heard that some of the, that there was G.G. Johnson, who was the person who sold the land to the um, uh, Sanchez, Mr. Sanchez, uh, Pablo de la Rosa, and, uh, oh my gosh, who's the third one? Uh, Rodriguez, uh, Alejandro Rodriguez, uh, for $150. Uh, In that deed, it references their names that Gigi Johnson grants to those names, and then it has a little blurb about this Stringtown Cemetery Association. So I'm not sure that um, there there may be an association, uh, Mutualista or Mutual Aid Organization, that predated that. Um, So much that needs to be researched, right? But basically what a mutual aid organization is... um, it's, they were very common um, at that point in history. Uh, this is just a group of people in the community, usually among marginalized um, people, so whether that be by class or by race or things like that, come together in order to, to survive and to help uh, each other. And it really is about creating solidarity and about creating community. And so these people came together. The, the bylaws that they established are beautiful. It talks about, you know, si, si alguien contribuye su un grano de, de, uh, de arena, one, even one grain of sand, they have the right to be buried here. 
And so what they're doing, I think there was like 30-something people who originally were in that founding uh, group uh, with uh, five or six officers, and they, they started this place. They bought the two, about two acres, and um, by 1915, they updated. Oh, the other thing that was super important for this community was that um, different religions uh, were to be honored. Yes, that anybody you know could be buried there, whether they be Catholic or you know some other Methodist uh, religion. Or yes, yes. And in fact, they in the 1915 bylaws, they minimized that a little bit, and they just reduced it to. Um, ambas religiones, so the, uh, which you know, ambas usually means both. So you know, Catholic and Protestant, right? Mm-hmm. So the. Um, but what was really interesting is that they changed in the 1915 bylaws. They changed a couple of things, and some one that I find most interesting is that they kind of clarified. Well, they clarified some stuff about behavior because apparently, you know. Um, people may have been drinking too much, or there may have been some drama at funerals and and things like that. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> so they're like you know they uh, started including correct proper behavior right at cemeteries, um, but they included more about indigent cemeteries, and so that people there's uh, something in the 1915 bylaws that talk about the you have a right to um, buy a casket, to, to uh, receive a casket, even if you don't have uh, the funds the to pay funds. for it. So apparently that was hard for people. And then they went one step further and they said, even if you haven't, they didn't say specifically, even if you haven't contributed your grain of sand, but even if you don't have family here, because the assumption was you contribute your grain of sand and then your family gets to be buried here. Um, there were so many migrant workers, right, as we've seen you know, here from our other, uh, other guests, um, often men who had no family with them. And so they wanted to make sure that that even those people could be buried. It's like just because no one has paid or no one has uh, donated their grain of sand, um, we want to make sure that they're that they're buried and stuff. So that was super important. And for me, I find it fascinating that that was 1909. Uh, there is still, there are very few mutual aid societies that continue to exist today. Um, a lot of them got commercialized. You know, you now have Woodman of the World Insurance, right? A huge uh, insurance company. So they kind of lost the mission of what they started out doing. Absolutely. That move to individualism, that move to commercialism, to, the pro- to profit, you know, to a profit-based economy. But here in San Marcos, this is one of the few places where you have a living, we actually have a couple of uh, living mutual aid societies. Guatemoc is the other one. Guatemoc was established, you know, quite a bit later in the 1940s. Um, but this one, since the early 1900s, has continued. And I just think about the work 
over the 20 something years that I've been with the board, the dedication of the board members to do what they can do, there's no money coming in, right? Oh, in fact, with that, even with that mutual, with the 1915 bylaws, they, the other big concern was that they couldn't clean up the whole land. And, and so what they did is they said, um, it, we're going to rent the land, you know, they had two acres, so whatever's not, doesn't have burials on it, we're renting the rest of it. Um, to bring and, in a little bit of funds. Well, and to and so that they didn't have to, to clean, clean it up, it. <laughs> right? Uh, because it's a lot of work, as Sandra and a lot of our volunteers <laughs> will, you know, will tell you. So uh, it, it's just for me their their dedication to you know really trying to to keep this place alive, to maintain it and stuff. Is, is just amazing. And, and I think listening to the conversation, I find this one thing interesting is that the realization that they had that we're, we come from, like you said, a margin, marginalized community. We don't have the funds, but by ourselves we can't do it, but together as a group, then we can come up. And so that is admirable in, in that sense. And then the other thing, too, is uh, proper care for the in indigent that don't have, because at that time, too, we had a lot of people crossing over because of the Mexican Revolution. And so those that came, a lot of them didn't come with money. So if, if you, for, for whatever godforsaken reason, something happened, now you have some place to go. And then we had the whole deal with tuberculosis that was going on at the time, too. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that the, the train of thought for these people to, to pull together to found a way to try to help each other is just admirable. Yes, yes. And the, uh, the other big factor is that um, cemeteries were segregated, right? So as, as one person told me, um, you know, we couldn't even be buried in the same dirt. Well, you, you see right. that to some of the cemeteries that you go around here, it, and Kyle has one like that, and then yeah. I think there's one in uh, uh, Lockhart has one like that. Yes. So it's like not... the Catholics are buried on one side, and then there's everybody else over here. <laughs> yes. Well, and in City Cemetery, you don't find any Spanish surname individuals over there until like the 1960s, after the post-civil rights movement. Then you start getting, you know, Spanish surname burials there. So, yeah. So we, we know now, um, in, in theory, why the cemetery was, was, was founded. Um, the upkeep of it was, was one whole other thing. And I wanted to talk about the records. Um, how, and, and I'm asking this because when, when uh, uh, I guess your grandfather had a gentleman named Tony Perez that lived with him for, for a very long time. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't know him very well. But I yeah there I know that there was yeah so so I knew Tony really well because he spent a lot of time in our in our home yeah. and uh, before he he I think he was like ninety four ninety five when he passed away and he said Kathy and this is my mother and my father for his obituary and he said this is where I want to be buried I by right have a right to be buried there but uh, they can find the records uh, and he, we had a really hard time Mrs Cruz who was a daughter from Hunter. Kind of helped facilitate that for him, so he Amelia? got. Amelia. Uh huh. Uh huh. So she helped him get 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 buried there. So I think there was an issue with the records. So talk to me a little bit about the about the records. Are the records like in disarray, or are you guys trying to do y'all's best to kind of? And I thought to myself, because Tony was so proud of the fact that I went over there and I cleaned, and that's going to be my right to be buried there. And then we had this whole deal. So tell me a little bit about the record issue. I think the records are. 
I've started kind of my own little record, mm -hmm. and I started with, I went online, and I started looking up old obituaries, and that's where I started collecting mm -hmm. my little records, and we're connecting them together uh, against Simon Mercado, uh, the other volunteer. He had his own records. He uploaded a bunch of documents into Find a Grave, because there's a lot of people that aren't recorded, or I was told to sometimes there would be burials and the board didn't even know that somebody was being buried. So there's missing names. Unfortunately, there's a lot of lost graves because again, everybody was poor. They couldn't afford a headstones. Yeah. And so they just had wooden crosses and you go out there. It looks like there's a lot of space available, but there isn't, mm -hmm. there really isn't. Well, we're going to go into a station break and then we'll come back and, and continue this conversation. What's up, everybody? This is Justin James Bridges, and you're listening to KZSM.org. You can tune in every Sunday at 11 p.m. Central Standard Time here in San Marvelous to catch me and all my wild friends here on Sundays Free with JJB on KZSM.org. Hello, I'm Mateo Garcia. I'm a scientist and I'm the host of Science Stories. Every Friday at 3 p.m. on KCSM Radio, I interview scientists about their work, but I focus specifically on the anecdotes and story that happens while they're doing research. It's so Join me as I share my treasure of music in Spanish. Some from my youth, some contemporary, and some that may recall warm memories of your past. That's Musica con Ganas with El Tio every Sunday night at 9 p.m. on your true community radio, KZSM. I wonder, wonder who, who, who wrote the book of love. It might be the book of love, or it might be a biography, a self-help book, a cultural history, a novel, or a work by a local poet. And we might be talking with a librarian, an editor, or an attentive reader just like you. Or the author might be in the studio with us to talk in depth about the book. Join us Tuesdays 4 to 6 p.m. for Bookmark to learn more about books you love and hear about books you might learn to love. Right here on KCSM.org, San Marcos Community Radio. And so um, now that, you know, you're uh, compiling all this information, uh, do you basically now are relying on people that come in to say this is where so-and-so is buried? Because yes. I'm going to assume that there may have been some people that were buried there that maybe their relatives have moved away. And so there are some spaces there that we may never know who, who is occupied yeah. in that space. Because going through the obituaries, and I, I kind of feel like, I don't know, like a connection to some of the people now, because going through the obituaries reading about them how they passed away and then going out there and seeing their graves you know like i remember it's like oh I, I know how you passed or there's several i know there was a baby i can't remember the name offhand but there was like a baby they were from somewhere else they just buried the baby here and so i'm sure that that 
grave is lost. So how far back can you go? So we talked about maybe the 1960s because it was well, not very uh, common for, you know, there to be an obituary in the paper back then for people correct. that were a little bit on the poorer side. So mm-hmm. how far back are the obituaries that you When have? I started going by, it's in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Before the 40s, again, the cemetery was open way before that, but you're not going to find the Mexican, you know, obituaries in the paper. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's in the 40s where they started up. And there's a lot of them that you can't even find them. Like my grandfather, he doesn't have an obituary that I could find that made it the paper. I've Googled his name, you know, doing the trying to uh, isolate just his name. And I couldn't find anything. Two of my siblings, same thing. I couldn't find theirs. But there's a lot, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are missing. And I do like going out there because, like you said, you're going to run into someone out there. And when the last time that I was out, there was a couple that were walking around. And you could tell they were looking for something. And I asked him, I go, who are y'all looking for? And he told me that he was looking for his grandmother. He goes, she never had a marker. He goes, all I know is she'd passed away before he was born. So, and I go, what year? He goes, he doesn't even know. He thinks the 40s. And I asked him, I said, well, do you know anything? He goes, she didn't have a headstone. And so I try to find her name. And I don't think we were able to find the name. Yeah. Right? So. But he said all he could remember is she was by a tree, and the only thing that he was told is there was a piece of rebar. So Simon being Simon, he went out, started to look, and he thinks he found it, but we're not sure. I reached out to him, but I think he wanted to reach out to his brother because he said his brother would have more information, and hopefully that is it. And that's what we're trying to do as a volunteer group, not just clean, but try to help people find their loved ones. So, do y'all y'all have currently have a grid or the, of the layout of the cemetery with the with the headstones and where they are? Or so we have. So when with the incidents of vandalism, there were basically no records, right? And that's not that's true not only of us but also of uh, I believe the cemetery in in Reedville as well and uh, Guadalupe Cemetery. And kind of what's happened over the years is through either floods. So a lot of the uh, community uh, has lived in, you know, by creeks or rivers that flood um, or fires were also very common. And so the documents have been lost over time. Church has no, um, no records either. We've been to kind of the archives both locally and the state archives. And uh, so no, you know, no records there either. So what we did is to start is we started documenting all the markers that were there, right? So we, we have a database, we have a, a spreadsheet of all the markers we ended up creating this kind of locational system based on an XY, you know, grid with, um, you know, southwest, northwest, uh, southeast, and, and northeast, and then giving uh, row and column numbers. Now, eventually, that that is a very approximate, because if you go out there, the there are no straight rows. No. This is not a German cemetery <laughs> no. where you have that 
precision, <laughs> you know. We're just going to take a call and you're going to go here. <laughs> yes, this is, a, this is a collective organization based on, on volunteers, <laughs> right? It did not cost you anything to get, to get buried. Um, people were migrant workers, you know, and just you had people... Yeah, there's, there's, you know, approximate. So our, our system is approximate, and one of the reasons that it's so important for, you know, when people try to find their names, that we don't rely on, you know, the it's right here or it was there in 2012 when we finished documenting. We started this in like 2000. By about 2006 we had created the locational system, right? And we tried to, to, to improve it over the years. But we can't guarantee that whoever called it a row, is that really row, you know, is that really row two or is it in row one or row three? You know, is it really number one or is it number, you know, two or three? And so it's really important for people who, who, um, no, like my family, they were somewhere around here. <laughs> um, that may not be exactly, if there's no marker there, uh, you really don't want to kind of take the chance unless there's like a certainty. And so we don't, we tell people, you know, that we, you know, there was a marker in approximately this location. If it's still there, great. If it's not still there, we can't guarantee. We have lost so many markers since I started working. Um, there are, you know, they're just gone. They're they're gone. Just in the in the you know almost twenty years that I have been working, and that's one of the biggest. Uh, you know, I wish we had money to be able to preserve it, like that friend, that person that you talked about who preserved the. But yeah, we do have a map. We made a map at some point, um, and which would have been precise. It's it's just numerical, but that is we're not sure. The person that I was working with at the time, I'm not even sure. Like uh, he was from UT. I'm not sure if he's still around. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see what happens. Well, and it's kind of bittersweet too, right? Because somebody's coming in hopes of finding their loved one and then they don't find them and um, my friend Mary Dudon she lives in uh, New Mexico and she called me up well I met her about six years ago at a genealogy conference of all things and she got so excited when she found out I was from San Marcos and she's like oh my people used to live there like in the 1900s and she came last year with her friend Adam um, and so Garcia and we walked the whole cemetery and she's uh, related to the Vargas and there are quite a bit of vodkas out there. And for her, she was lucky because they do have, you know, the, their placards in place. And so she was really excited to be here. And so, but it's bittersweet when somebody comes and they can't find what they're looking for. Yeah. I, I wanted to kind of tell a quick story in that uh, I was out uh, one year for the Boy Scouts putting flags in San Pedro Cemetery. It was pouring rain. It was lightning. Okay. It was coming down all around and they didn't want the Boy Scouts going. And I said, okay, I'll go out there. And you just go and you, you go through the cemetery trying to find the grave sites from anyone that it was a military grave site. I learned so much of that cemetery and boy, that was hard. So I respect what you're saying about trying to find these locations. And no, there are no straight rows or, you know, crossroads. And there's trees growing up. There's all of these things. So I 
appreciate the difficulty because I've done it in the rain and lightning. I'm sorry, Kathy. I just said. So I wanted to ask uh, Lupe this question. So you have um, relatives that are interned there. Do they have markers? So you you know where your your relatives are? Uh my grand my grandfather's on on my on my grandmother's side, which is my mother's side. He does. We all we know that he's located in the front of the of the cemetery. That's all we know. But he has no marker. He has nothing. Then there's my grandmother on my mother's side. She doesn't have a marker. All we know is that when we go visit her, we know that my mother put a bucket with flowers in, and that's the only way we know. And then, of course, her mother, which was her, her mother, uh, which is also related to Sandra, um, uh, family also. And we know because of her, we knew that that was her mother. So from that, we knew. So that's how we knew how to find her, her, uh, her burial pl plot mm -hmm. and, my, and my grandmother's. But other than that... But you have a general idea where they're Yeah, at. most, except yeah. for one child that my sister's child died mm -hmm. in 1964. He died the same... He was born the same day and died the same day. So all that we know about is that I was still about maybe 10 years old when we went and buried him. His grandfather made him a wooden coffin, and we buried him in that coffin. But like I said, we've never gone to have him put a... a a plot stone or anything or, yeah. or stone or anything and that's what I was kind of talking to Sandra about that because I he's never had one since 1964 since he was buried there mm -hmm. and so it's like kind of sad not to be able but I I always knew where he was buried you know and uh, but like I said it's it's hard to kind of remember people that have died a long time ago you know and it's hard and and so y'all are volunteer cemetery so how hard is it to get together a group to come out into it, to kind of come and clean the cemetery because I, I come back to you right because a lot you kind of were the heart of this thing right they're there and I don't know how it was before but it sounds like you kind of were like the person who kind of got the ball moving to come in and help to fix and so you've kind of uh, stayed in an active role so how hard is it to put together a committee that that is going to be cohesive and and see this through uh, it's hard. <laughs> it's a challenge. This is, uh, but but it's also it's also just so fulfilling, you know. And it, and it, it's funny because uh, of course I had the advantage of of having students to like be like you're going to get a grade for this, <laughs> and these are the requirements. So you and had so, willing participants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, most like fell in love like they they loved it others were like hmm you know not quite so sure but for the majority were and one student actually flew a flag for me um over I believe it was Kandahar mm -hmm. um she went on to the to the military and she came back like 10 years later unfortunately I was not at the office and she did not leave any information mm -hmm. contact info and I I tried to get in touch with her and stuff but she just said you know I just wanted to let you know like how meaningful you know this was and thank you so much for for doing this and so the flag is now in our department it sits in in the department and so yeah I mean the students have done so much but the community really has um, they were they were very excited and you know to come especially after the vandalism because you never know what you've lost until you know it's gone or it's potentially going to be gone mm -hmm. 
And that's when, and so I think it's very common for there to be kind of, it, it you know, uh, it's active and then things, lull, you know, fall still... apart and then it's active and, you know, people like, oh, I got other things to do. So, so, um, I, and I think that's very kind of a natural uh, process that, that happens. So right now with the, um, but the ones who have stayed like steady doing the, you know, the boring stuff, like, uh, trying to manage the cemetery, trying to collect records. We, we have, we do have, um, I believe the earliest grave is from 1909. We only documented, we documented anything that looked like a could possibly be a grave. Even if we saw like a sunken area, we documented, you know, sunken area. But we didn't document uh, all the, so, so the work that Sandra and Simon are doing with the obituaries and the death records and the find a grave, that is so, gonna be so valuable because it, it may be that we can go back and match, you know, things where people were supposed to be buried in in order. That's in the bylaws. <laughs> you you know, it's one, two, three. It's not like, well, this is my family plot, and we're all gonna go here. And then it's just, you know, you go in order, you know. As and you so, come, yeah. as you come, those were the rules. <laughs> uh, I have also heard that there was. Um, cannot verify this, so. Don't, you know, don't take it as truth, anybody. <laughs> but I have heard that there was, that men and women were also um, buried in separate areas. I haven't been able to go through and kind of look in, at, at the locations to see if that, you know, is, is actually true. bears any fruit. Right? We're going to go into station break and we'll be right back uh, for our last segment. Hello there, I'm Marianne Reese with an update to my previous program, Senior Centric. It's expanding to become more inclusive by hosting guests and sharing conversations that all humans, not only seniors, can relate to. Our topics and discussions may evoke compassion, empathy, motivation, laughter, and yes, perhaps even anger. But each is a part of the human condition and each is of human interest. That's human interest. The first Thursday of every month from 2 to 3 p.m. on San Marcos' own true community radio station, KZSM. I sure hope you'll join us. Texas River Tonk airs live Fridays from noon to 2 p.m. on KZSM. They spin new music from up-and-coming artists as well as deep cuts from country greats. Within studio interviews and performances, Texas River Tonk is bringing you music straight from the source and letting you know where to see these artists live at upcoming shows. Don't miss Texas River Tonk, Fridays noon to 2 on KZSM, True Community. Anybody out there interested in chess? Join us at the San Marcos Local Chess Club. We get together every Wednesday from 6 p.m., to 8.30 p.m. at the San Marcos Public Library. All levels are welcomed, everybody is welcomed, all ages are welcomed. It's a really chilled environment just to enjoy and play some chess all together. 
ways you can get involved here in the community. We're back with Ray. This is here at KZSM.org. And following the show tonight, uh, Musica Kanganis, uh, Uncle Gene, Teal Gene, is uh, going to uh, be regaling you with an hour of great old music that uh, he's uh, pulling up from the archives. So enjoy. Kathy and... Let's get back to the show. So we're going to turn the mic back to uh, Sandra and Lupe, and we're going to go ahead and talk about the, the cleanup efforts over at the at the cemetery. Yeah, I, again, I started back when that accident happened. When was that? 2019, right? That's really when I, I, I now wish I had started when I was younger, but I'm here now. And our first cleanup was right before COVID. I know we did a little cleanup. We had some people go out there. I remember Anita Miller was out there. She helped mm-hmm. out for a little bit. Well, we were organizing a bigger cleanup, and we were setting everything up. Uh, what is that man's name, Mark? He was running for something. He went out there, and he was oh, helping us. Mark Gleason? Yes, yes. Okay. He was helping us organize. He goes, I can help you get this. We were getting it all set, and we were starting to make a little announcements, and then COVID really shut everything down. So our first one got canceled. Then everything started getting better, and we created our first one was for, we did it for Mother's Day. Well, we attempted to do it for Mother's Day. We got rained out. Mm-hmm. But we had purchased on our own, we purchased 400 carnations because we were going to go and put one flower for all the mothers. We had put a, on Facebook, you know, hey, come and adopt a mother, find a grave, and just clean it up. And then go get a carnation and put it in for her. We went the day, a few days before, we went and put PVC pipes at all the locations that we can find a mother. Again, we got rained out. That Saturday before Mother's Day, we had the flowers. I go, we have to put them out. So we're all out there in the rain. And we put all the flowers out for the mothers. Our next cleanup, our third cleanup was the Father's Day. We had a few more people, but it was really, really hot. And our last cleanup was just, that one was for Father's Day. Our last one was about two, three weeks ago. We dedicated that one to all the children. Mm-hmm. Anyone 17 and under, you know, they're all children, and there's tons of children out there. We cleaned up and we put um, pinwheels at all the locations mm-hmm. of the children. We cleaned along the fence line. And every time, it's gotten a little bit better. There's a little bit more and more faces. This last time we had, I think, the most faces we've seen. And I'm hoping that more people will get involved because there is a lot to do out there. Tons of cleaning to do. I've started going around, and I know it's probably not anything big, but I want to clean up all the glass, which I know it sounds crazy, but all of the glass were vases at one time mm-hmm. where people were bringing flowers for their loved ones. And unfortunately, of course, now they just stayed out there. They've gotten broken for different reasons. So I'm going around trying to collect it, and it's going to take me a long time. But as we clean, collect a little bit at a time, I'm going to put it all into a tumbler, make a, what is it, sea glass? Mm, yes. And I want to take it back to somehow display it because I know it's just glass, and people say, just throw it away. Oh, but it's somebody's memory. Exactly. Right? Somebody's yeah, effort. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking, of, I don't know how we're going to use it, maybe get in a pot and sticking the glass onto the pot and put them out there with flowers or something at the disconso. But there's a lot of cleanups, and we still want to do a lot more events. And I'm hoping that, you know, more people will join. Um, We're trying to create a, I guess I've created an email address. I've just created a QR code where people can scan on it, and it'll direct you to the uh, 
Facebook page that Simon has made for the cemetery. Okay, so tell us the email address and the Facebook page. Let's let's do well, that. Well, we just started the email address. It hasn't even been put out there yet, mm -hmm. but I did it. Um, friends of Cementerio San Pedro at gmail.com. I know it's kind of long. Mm -hmm. And I'll be posting, um, with permission of the board, we'll be posting a, putting a poster out at the cemetery. They can scan the QR code if they're interested in what we do. They can scan the QR code, and it's going to take you to this San Pedro page. And they can see the big different pictures that we've done, hopefully just to get the word out. Um, anybody else that's looking? Again, we may not find your loved one, but we'll try. We were walking out there yesterday. Um, I did a little bit of cleaning, watched the eclipse <laughs> as I was out there. And as we were walking, we think we found, uh, you can see a border mm. of somebody's grave. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a few stones. I don't know who it belongs to, but it'd be nice to like try to it up, bring it up. Yeah. So that way, some, and it's in one of those areas where it looks like there's nothing. That's where it's at. Mm. And, and as always, the hour goes by really so very quickly. So let's go ahead and talk about the event that y'all are going to be having in uh, November. Is that correct? Yes. So um, I was approached by uh, Juania Rivas. She works with Infrarealista Review, which is a, a journal that uh, publishes poetry and art and stories and uh, works with youth in in schools and stuff to foster that the that you know cultural expression and they got a grant from the city of san marcos the arts commission and to part of it is to publish a special issue on dia de los muertos and they wanted to use part of it to have a community event and they wanted to have it at a cemetery and they, so Juania knew me, and actually I knew her husband, and uh, she had seen San Pedro and fell in love with it, as so many people do, and asked, you know, called me up and asked, could we do this? And, and you know, the board discussed it and stuff, and we decided, you know, yeah, let's, let's do it. So um, the volunteer committee has been, so the volunteer and events committee is pretty new, so Martin... Uh, Martin Rivera, uh, Sandra Rivera, and Simon Mercado are like the official members of the Volunteer and Events Committee. And they've been doing lots of stuff before this, but we just formalized the, uh, the committee in 2023, or was it late 2022? Somewhere, not too long ago. And uh, so we're collaborating with them. It's going to be a fabulous event. The Danzantes, uh, Matachines, the Los Matachines de St. John the Evangelist will be there uh, dancing and doing a blessing. Uh, we will have a time to, we will have a collective altar for people to, to uh, bring their photos and any mementos that they want to bring. Uh, Sandra has personally made hundreds of carnations uh um, yeah of not kempasuchil uh marigolds yes marigolds yes. <laughs> marigolds and uh and is working on other gorgeous drawings and stuff to to decorate the cloud carmona will be building <laughs> us a, a basic altar she's going to do this whole thing 
and then we'll have other parts for the community to to bring our own uh, things. So we'll have music by Kiko Villamizar. We'll have um, the poetry reading by Juan Palomo, who is a beloved uh, teacher, uh, taught high school here, and so many people. Did you know him? No, no. Uh, I've I've heard but from others. But he used others. to be with La, La Otra Voz. Is that correct? Um, yes, yeah. he was with La Otra Voz and became a journalist. You know, well-known poet and journalist, and uh, and a couple of other readers will be there. And then we'll have Pan de Dulce and and Chocolate. Okay, so, so we'd like to to uh, invite our guests to come out to San Pedro. And it's on November, the date? Thursday, November 2nd. November, yes. And, I mean, we're inviting everyone, come out during the day early if you want to come and decorate your family's grave and stick around, you know, for and, the and events. And the event is from what time? Five to eight. Five to eight. Okay, so please come on out. And I have two more things. Maybe if I can squeeze them in. Um, space. Are you guys out of space or... Is, is there any room left or are there any plans to try to purchase some more space? The, the most important, like every single meeting that we have, we have talked about space. And we, there's a, there's a long, very unpleasant story about how we kind of got, yeah, we're not able to purchase the, where the ad, indigent, indigent cemetery is. Mm -hmm. We had wanted to be ours and yeah, yeah. it uh, okay. goes back to the county commissioners and stuff. But anyways, Ooh, we'll talk. Yes, yeah. yes, and um, so yeah, that has always been an issue. There is space from um, reserved for people who have worked over the years, who have volunteered regularly over the years. So primarily elders who are you know still with us. I think you mentioned one of them that got buried. Um, you mentioned, or was it you that mentioned somebody that got buried not too long ago? Or you, oh, I, th I thought somebody had mentioned uh, that. But, yeah, so okay. biggest and, issue, okay. yeah. And then my, my last question is, as I told you, when I said I was coming down here to do this interview, somebody said, oh, you're going to talk about Crybaby Cemetery. I'd never heard that. So again, <laughs> somebody tell me where that came from. I hate that name. Where, where did that come from? I... I guess because there is a lot of babies out there. Like, I hate that name because my brothers are some of those babies that are mm -hmm. out there. They're not. It's not a crybaby. It's not a haunted cemetery out. Oh. I have no problem going out there in the middle of the night. And when I go out there, I it sounds crazy, but I'll talk to people like, okay, tell me your name. You know, you have no. There's no name on your marker. Mm -hmm. Who are you? Talk to me and tell me who you are, so we can identify you. But I hate the name crybaby. I think that's why, though, because there is a lot of babies that mm -hmm. are buried out there. Mm -hmm. Tons. Board well, members were not familiar with that name. It's a... It's a so maybe for the younger kids? Yeah, I've known about it know? since I was, yeah, in junior yeah. high. You would always hear yeah. that name. Yeah. Well, ladies, I want to... Even wanted, people my age. I want to <laughs> thank you for coming uh, to do the show. It's been my pleasure to have you, and it's just been a wonderful conversation. And uh, we'll look for you over uh, at your event, and I'll swing by and say hello. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Nice. Thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate this.